Hi, I'm Jordan Johnson. I need your vote on August 11th because our communities deserve bold leadership that will fight every day to improve the quality of life for our residents. Together, we can solve the food desert, clean our neighborhoods, fix flooding, and address poverty. I am the candidate that is committed to putting people first over silly politics while building a brighter future for Augusta. My name is Jordan Johnson, and I need your vote on August 11th. Paid for by friends of Jordan Johnson for Commissioner. Welcome to this very special episode of Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon, here with a young man uh, who is running uh, for commissioner. He is uh, advanced to the District 1 runoff, and I'm just so glad in this moment to have Jordan Johnson here with me. Jordan, how are you doing today? But I'm doing good, man. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be with you this morning. As always, it's an honor to talk to you, so looking forward to engaging the conversation. Likewise, we're just sitting here talking, man, and, you know, just... You know, talking about social media and just talking about, you know, a lot of things that are going on right now. And I understand that you just came across a post from a, a gentleman who said he's <laughs> getting ready to vote for the first time ever and he's going to vote for you. How does that make you feel? Yeah, man, that's 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 a feeling that I, don't, I never thought I could have. You know, someone telling me that they're getting ready to go vote for the first time and that vote is going to be for me. It really just it makes you uh, it, it helps you understand how monumental service is. And it, it shows you that. um that, that this isn't about you, it's about other people. And if they believe in what you're saying, you've got to hold yourself accountable to doing what you say you're going to do. So that that's really great. And, and it means that the, the mission has been accomplished. Absolutely. It's wild to think that, you know, we had President Obama, you know, 2008, 2012. But 2020, you know, he identified with the candidate in a way, a uh, local candidate that, you know, he felt inspired to vote. So I just, I mean, that's... It's amazing. Yeah, it that really is. is. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's humbling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're sitting here having this conversation and, you know, when we talk about service and we talk, you know, public service uh, within the context of politics, obviously uh, one of those standard bearers is no longer with us. And I understand that he's one of your heroes, uh, John Lewis. Absolutely. John Lewis. Absolutely. None of us will be where we are right now in, in the community as far as engagement civically without John Lewis. Um, and he's lying in the rotunda of the, of the U.S. Senate today. And I just I, I'm thankful for what he taught me. I'm thankful for just being able to meet him and just shake his hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I just want to tip my hat to him and tell him, tell him thank you. Right. And he's my frat brother, so that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? You, um, so you had a chance to meet him, kind of, you know, are there any maybe mementos or, you know, things like that that you'd like to share with the listening audience? Yeah, so the way that this happened, I was probably uh, maybe, uh, maybe 19, 18 or 19, and I put on Facebook. Facebook was probably just a little new. I said, I really want to meet John Lewis. Nobody paid me any attention because everybody met John Lewis. I mean, if you want to be a Democrat in Georgia, you going to see John Lewis is like a pilgrimage. You just wow. you just did it. I didn't know how to break into that. So one day, a couple years later, maybe a year or so later, I was at an event and I was coming out of that event and I saw John Lewis coming out of the door. It was up in Atlanta by the King Center. John Lewis was coming out of a side door. My brother and a friend of mine was with me. I was tapping my brother real hard. <laughs> my brother don't care about politics. He said, man, what? What you doing? I said, that's John Lewis. That's John Lewis. Wow. And as I'm saying, that's John Lewis, he turned around and looked at me. <laughs> I froze up. <laughs> and if you know John Lewis, he's a he's a humble guy. He's a he walks humble. He his presence is humble. He's powerful and he knows it. He's monumental and he knows it. And he walked over to me and I just shook his hand. I said, Thank you, Mr. Lewis, for what you've done for us. I said, It's an honor meeting you. Um, I said, I'm inspired by you. And he looked me at my eye, he shook my hand, and he said, uh, thank you, young man. Uh, now take what I've done and go do something with it. Wow. And I took the picture. It's a picture of me on Facebook. I took a picture with him with my arm around him. He said, now go do something with it. Man, I smiled from ear to ear. And then after he walked off, Usher 
the singer walked past me. I wouldn't even decide about Usher because I had just met John Lewis. My brother was decided to go see Usher. Well, I don't care about no Usher. Just met John Lewis. But that was that's a moment I'll never forget. I drove all the way to Atlanta and didn't think I was going to see him. But when I did, man, I, I cherished that moment. That's amazing. You know, we have conversations about idols and heroes and folks like that. And so, you know, the names that you may get are, you know, Michael Jordan. I looked up to Michael Jordan. You know, I looked up to, you know, maybe an athlete or, you know, and for some folks it's Muhammad Ali, whoever, you know, or maybe somebody in entertainment. But for John Lewis to have that type of profound effect on you, I think just really speaks uh, to just your character and your passion, obviously, yeah. which uh, is public service. I want to ask you, because, of course, we're here, uh, look, just outside of two weeks before, you know, obviously this one runoff. Yeah. Longest campaign <laughs> ever. How long How long of a process has this been for you? Well, I uh, I did. I, I, I filled out all the necessary paperwork back in June um, to form a committee, June of last year. Wow. To form a committee. Um, and then I did my declaration uh, in July, right around July, um, or August, one of the two. I believe it was either July or August. And then I, um, I announced publicly at the end of August, early September. So from the first moment of establishing a campaign committee in June of last year to now, I've been campaigning for just a little over, over a year. Wow. Um, and I'm telling you, man, I felt, I felt every second of it, every single second of it. But it's amazing because we've had a year to talk to people. That's what I'm saying. The things that I've been saying on this campaign hadn't just been things that I've doctored up in a laboratory. It's from what I've talked to folks on the street about for the past year. Um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way. Wow. So am I tired? Just a little bit. I need, I need a little nap. <laughs> but um, I'm looking forward to serving people, you know. I, t- I tell you, and when you talk about a year, and I, I really just want the listening audience to understand that, to just show, like, you know, you may think this is something where, Hey, you know, it's a month here, a month there. <laughs> but even in the midst of the of the pandemic, and, and I would say even before the pandemic, this is something that you've been obviously invested in right. for a very long time. With that said, obviously we have the mask on and not just, you know, professional or we're aspiring to be ninjas. It is because of <laughs> right. um, obviously what's going on um, in the world and, and in this country. We last time we spoke, we spoke a lot about just community issues, black community, you know, particularly among black people. Uh, we spoke about, you know, just uh, I know we talked about uh, poverty. We talked about uh, some of the blighted communities. How much has the pandemic really brought those issues to life and has really just uh, really shined a light on some of the things that, I mean, just you and I have talked about? I think what the pandemic has done is made uh, political leaders uh, finally show up and put their money where their mouth is. We already knew people were impoverished. We already knew that folks are being evicted because they're, they're in poverty. But the pandemic has given us a reason to actually get up and do something about it now. And that is sort of the diamond in the rough here. But I, I hate that it took a nation, an international, uh, you know, a pandemic to make folks realize that poverty is real. You have 40 million people unemployed. Well, that's 40 million people who had jobs. Let's talk about the people who were not who were who were not employed. They're not added into that number who are unemployed because of COVID. Let's talk about the mass evictions that are happening across the nation right now, where folks who uh, who who were un, who were employed were unemployed now, and folks who are just. Uh, you know, just still being in that system are now being evicted at mass rates. Talk about folks who having their utilities cut off um, mm. and, and landlords still acting like predators. COVID has shined the light on what we've been talking about for decades, about poverty, especially in the inner city where African-American communities are concerned. Um, and, and what I would like to see happen these next few years is that we start putting in more progressive policies to address that. Uh, Poverty is real, man, and it's about time that we start focusing on it and, and putting pen to paper to address some of those uh, more pressing issues where poverty is concerned. Certainly, that's a widespread, you know, look at it. I want to kind of make this personal yeah. and, you know, like we said, talk about some of that policy. 
You're putting, and I, I can only imagine. You got these signs. I see your signs all over town. Some of the places you're putting these signs down, uh, you may put a sign down, and you may be within, like, you know, viewing of someone who's homeless. Mm -hmm. You're putting these signs down, and you look across the bin, and you know this house is Mm -hmm. caving, falling in on itself. Just personally, how much urgency is there for you to not just put that sign down, but to see this stuff? It's like I want to change. Um, some of the things that are going on in my community, specifically in my district, if, if elected. Yeah, talk, 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 that's, talk about that's that. personal for me. There was a, a guy sent me a picture about a month or so ago of my yard sign juxtaposed next to a man sleeping on the on the street. Mm. And every day when I come to my office, I have signs all in this plaza. Folks are sitting out there asking for money by my signs. It, it, it Again, going back to the young man who's voting for me for the first time, what this shows me is that putting signs down is great, having fish fries is great, Doing podcast interviews is great, but the urgency to act is what's the most uh, uh, needed right now, the urgency to act. So in my district where you have the you know mean income twenty to $25,000 a year, that's alarming to me. You can't live off of twenty to $25,000, and that's people who have income. We're not even talking about the people who are not at it in that, in that, in that equation. So there's a need for job skills trainers. There's a need to have job fairs. I always use this analogy. We talk about you teach a man to fish, he can fish for a lifetime. But if he doesn't have access to the pond, he doesn't have access to the fish. We need to be giving folks access. We're banking on bringing people into town and bringing up the medium income in the area. Well, uh, what happened? Why, why can't we invest in people who are already here? Why can't we have programs in place to give them a hand up? before we start banking on other people. And that's been the problem with poverty. We sweep it under the rug and we move on. And we just say folks have to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Folks east of downtown Augusta don't have a pair of bootstraps to lift themselves up by. And not just east of Augusta, but you go to Harrisburg, you have the same problem. You go deep into south Augusta by Castle Pines, you have the same problem. Poverty is a systemic issue. And we can change some of those things from the commission if we are willing to put policy in place. And that's where my mindset is right now. You know, we're going to cut grass, we're going to cut down trees, but policy is where we're going to change Augusta. And that's how we have to start looking at this thing. We'll be back after these messages. You're listening to Making a Difference. My name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. This is Donald Doe and Michael Doe with Family Financial Consultants. Do you need help with Medicare, with affordable mortgage and life insurance, building an estate for your child? We provide these types of services for you and much more. As independent insurance brokers, we take pride in coming into people's homes and not only saving them money, but changing their lives. Imagine only paying a few dollars for your medicine instead of hundreds, or cutting the cost of your insurance premiums. Our goal is to provide affordable policies tailored to your individual needs. Give us a call at 803-293-8915 or 706-503-3933. Family Financial Consultants, LLC, located at 412 Edgefield Road in North Augusta, South Carolina. Agents work for companies, but a broker works for you. Too often, we're left wondering what happened, how it happened, and who made it happen. Too often, that is because we don't know enough about the functions of our local and state governments. Remember this, knowledge is power, engagement is crucial, and you can influence your quality of life based upon the choices you make on election day. Please follow me, Janice Allen Jackson, for the Local Matters Podcast here on SoundCloud. 
We will be interviewing candidates for various offices, and we don't want you to miss it. Why should you follow Local Matters? Because local does matter. How do we pass or and introduce and pass progressive policy that doesn't always look like policing? And I look, I'm putting my man on the spot here right now. No, no <laughs> let's do it. Um, Keisha Bottoms, I had this conversation on my page yesterday. Obviously, I don't know if you've heard about the water and they mm-hmm. wanted to do something. The issue I had was that I said, well, we see this is a, this is a, a symptom of poverty. And so when you introduce, to me, what, and this is my take on it, policing isn't just, you know, somebody hitting you over the head. Sometimes policing is in the policy that you pass. Sometimes uh, policing is in saying, well, you got to have a permit to do that. You know, you got to have, and to me, it's just a, it's an insensitive way to address the issue of kids saying, hey, look, if those kids, you know, and, and I understand the dangers of it. You don't want seven, eight-year-old kids, you know, uh, cars losing past them. But the other function of that is, is that it's a fast death or it's a slow death when you talk about poverty. Just kind of, and I don't, know if, I don't know if you want to speak to that issue specifically, but just kind of help us to understand what policy looks like that may may not be always about a function of policing or is in a predatory nature. Yeah, so I think Mayor Bottoms is in a position to where she sort of had to do that. Um, I don't understand. I don't live in Atlanta. I try not to delve into what sure, they sure, do. Sure, sure, sure. But um, I understand it sort of got unsafe for the kids. But that goes back to my initial point about having a commissioner or some leader who is in interactive with these kids in the community. If we have an issue, like, for instance, I use a specific issue. Where I live, I have kids knocking on my door literally every day. There are two boys. They live in Delta Manor. They cross over into my neighborhood every day. They ring my doorbell for about 10 minutes straight. Hmm. If I don't come to the door, they ring the doorbell, they bang on the door, they knock on my windows. 10 minutes straight. Hmm. Uh, Usually I'm on the phone, I'm doing something. I go to the door, I ask them, what's going on? They say, can we wash your car? $10. Wow. Can we cut your grass? Can we set your trash out? So they're wanting to make money. They don't know how to get it done. Imagine if we did something in the community to where community partners came together to raise money and you have X amount of, uh, you know, just kids working it and we split the money with them. One thing that we're going to do in my neighborhood is a a community car wash. Uh, And the profits that we we have, we're going to split it with the kids. I don't really think that you... Cash in hand. Cash in hand. You don't have to have government running every program to address some of these systemic issues. The community just has to take a hands-on approach with it, and I'm going to be doing that as a commissioner. I want to have community car washes. I want to set up uh, programs to where we can just do things at community centers and the kids can get paid. It's not child labor. You're not going to be finding yourself entangled in child labor laws. But these kids have to have some kind of way to, if we want to get them off the street, we want to keep them out of trouble, if we don't give them these types of uh, uh, things to get involved in, somebody will give them something to sell, and then we'll see them in a dollar paper, and then we'll see them at Reeves or somewhere. We have to make sure that we are taking an active role in helping our kids like that. The commissioner has got to be the one on the forefront of doing that in the communities, not just sitting at the, at the commission chambers and pressing buttons. We've got to be the ones who are on the forefront pushing some of these programs, and they're community-driven. You don't have to have six folks to do that. They're community-driven. Yeah, that's, that's great, man. I just uh, I want to ask you about this, too, because yeah. a lot of what I talk about, too, you know, we're so much of what we're talking about now is Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And I think Black Lives Matter, I think there has to be a, a more holistic approach to it, a more policy-driven approach to it. I know I've talked um, in North Augusta, and like I said, that's my community. That's where yeah. I am. I've said when, it's, when it comes to not just black businesses, but black entrepreneurs, 
let's start having an attitude of grants, not loans. Mm-hmm. Because we're saying, hey, you know, we'll loan you this money that you, and in some cases it may be forgivable, mm-hmm. but by and large, it's a, it's almost like it's a, it's an investment in the community in a way that the money's coming back to them. Mm-hmm. But I want to see a grant, I want to see investments in the community where it's good faith. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Talk about that and, 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 and what's the feasibility of something like that when it comes to kids saying, hey, let's maybe take $50,000 and reinvest it in these kids who we see there's a clear need. Right, yeah, and so where, where black entrepreneurship is concerned, we've got to do more to make sure that we all have an equal share of the bidding process. Augusta's contracting, uh, minority business owners don't even make up 10%, don't even make up 20% of the, of the, of the pie of how much uh, money is coming into the business community. We've got to change that. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, Atlanta figured it out. Augusta couldn't. Charlotte figured it out. We hadn't. Um, set-asides. So I, I propose doing some type of set-aside program to where X amount of contracts, X amount of uh, dollars have to go to minority-owned uh, businesses. Now, set-asides uh, by Georgia law is difficult to, to navigate through. Kind of explain that process to us because you know, that's what we're here for. Well, what happens is you get into the area of discrimination when you set laws that say X amount has to go to black business or X amount has to go to well, this. And then the argument is used, well, you have affirmative action, you have this, you have that. Well, tax incentives is a way that you can get around some of that. Offering tax breaks to companies who have high minority participation. Doesn't have to be high, it doesn't have to be minority owned, but high minority participation tax breaks. And when I say minority, I'm not just talking about African-American. I'm talking about women. I'm talking about Asians. I'm talking about Hispanics. I'm talking about bro- our brothers and sisters color, right? who are of color. Um, we have to start doing that because if not, you start to build what you're ultimately trying to avoid, a less diverse group of entrepreneurship. Um, if, you're trying to, if you're trying to avoid not being diverse by not passing set-aside policy, well, you're going to create that. You're going to create the, what you're trying not to, try not to uh, accomplish. So we need to be able to have uh, some programs in place or encourage that businesses, uh, if you want city money, if you want any contracts, you've got to show us that your business or your company is inclusive. And then the businesses that are already established, like your humanity house, like uh, like Sirius Sage, massage parlors, barbershops, um, hair salons, nail techs, that they have monies available to help them start businesses and maintain businesses. Housing and community development, they have programs uh, to where they give money out. The city can match some of those funds. Um, but we have to, number one, identify where those businesses are, what their needs are, and then figure out how we can support them. We'll be back after these messages. You're listening to Making a Difference. What's going on, everybody? It's Knife Wonder right here, man. And you're checking out Making a Difference with my man Ken Macon. Keep it locked. Peace. Got a sweet tooth? Well, get ready because it's about to get socked in a tasty way. My name is Sharad Sockwell, and I'm the founder and baker of Saki Sweets. A passion for baking homemade sweets was passed down to me from my grandmother. It's now my desire to keep her tradition alive and provide the utmost service. Cheesecakes, cupcakes, pies, you name it, we have it. What I really take pride in are our themed cakes. Do you have a child's birthday or a special occasion coming up? We can give it a unique flair with a cartoon style, game, or whatever you desire. Call me today at 803-761-4137 or hit me up on Facebook at facebook.com slash Saki Sweets and that's spelled S-O-C-K 
S-O-C-K-Y-S-S-W-E-E-T-S. Or you can hit me up on my Instagram handle, also at Saki Sweets. Do you need insurance for your car, home, life, or business? Then trust Jay Harvey, your all-state insurance agent in Evans, Georgia. He opened his agency in 2017 because he loves helping and working with people. As a husband and father, he understands the importance of helping families prepare for the unexpected. You can get a personalized insurance quote today by calling 706-434-8106. Jay's office is located at 3118-8 William Few Parkway in Evans, Georgia. Remember, you're in good hands with Jay Harvey, your neighborhood Allstate insurance agent. It's the West Coast Diva. Tell them, follow the leader. It's yo, yo. You're listening to Making the Difference with Ken Making. What you're talking about, there's a concern about discrimination because we're saying, well, we can't allot this money toward, you know, black businesses. Uh, to me, that underscores the importance for a disparity study. And not just something to sit on, but a modern, <laughs> look, present disparity study where we're saying, okay, this is what's happening in terms of wealth disparity. This is what's happening in terms of opportunity disparity. And then for the city to be able to act on that as well. What are your thoughts on something like that? Yeah, well, we have a lot of studies. <laughs> we know what the problems are sure, in Augusta. Sure. We know that minority participation in bidding is low. We know that contracts where minorities are concerned is low. We know that business uh, entrepreneurship is low amongst minorities. We know these things. Uh, you have enough professionals in this city that can tell you how to get things jumping. And the best people to talk to are the ones right in the middle of it. You go and talk to the business owners on Broad Street who are African-American, who are Asian, who are Hispanic. Talk to them and figure out what can the city do to help. Um, we spend all these millions of dollars on disparity studies, we get the results back, and then we don't do anything, don't do anything them, based yeah. off what the study tells us. Uh, let's stop wasting money and go directly to the people who need it. When I was down on Broad Street a couple months ago, I was speaking to the owner, Joe Hansons, and he was telling me how the trees on Broad Street has become burdensome for his business because they grow so large and they damage his roof, they damage the windows on the top of his building. It cost me zero dollars and zero cent to figure out that we need to do something about the trees on Broad Street. Chop them down, build some new ones, something to plant some new ones, cut them up some. Like It took no money to do that. It took me going out and talking to people. Uh, and I think that engagement piece is what we've sort of slowed down on over the last couple of years. We don't have many town hall meetings. We don't have many advisory meetings. We got to do more of that. And, and those voices can't come through just one person. It has to be a collective voice from a group of people who have like interest. Uh, and I would be interested in, in, in sitting down and talking to some folks to kind of figure out what we're talking about. Absolutely. August the 11th is the big day, am I August right? August 11th is the big day. August the 11th, let's say Jordan Johnson is elected. What does your tenure, what, is, maybe the, what do those first 90 days look like in terms of um, how you present yourself to the commission? What is, what is that... Uh, um, that time period look like? Because I can imagine that you're going to hit the ground, boom, and you're going to be ready to roll. So on August 11th, uh, we're going to win. And then on the 12th, I'm leaving town. Okay. I'm gone. Um, don't <laughs> gotcha. call me. Don't text me. <laughs> don't even say congratulations. I'm gone. The man's been uh, campaigning for a year. I get it, y'all. I don't want to hear from nobody. <laughs> <laughs> but when I get back um, around September, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start to form a District 1 task force. And what that task force will serve as, it will serve as an advisory committee for me. It'll be made up of business owners, gas station workers, teachers, just everyday people, folks who live in the communities. We want to have a community, of, uh, a cohort of people who understand the real everyday issues of the community. 
we form this community, we form this committee, we start making decisions based off of there. They're going to set that first 100-day policy goals. They're going to set the agenda items. We know what we have to do, but we're going to, that that community, that group is going to is going to form how we go about addressing that. They're going to form the order in which we address it. My number one priority issue right now is blight and flooding in East Augusta, um, but blight all over the community. It's been flooded in East Augusta since the uh, oh neighborhood God. association established here a week ago. It so. was horrible. It was horrible. Those na- my neighbors in East Augusta have anxiety when it rains, mm. and that's horrible. So the first thing I'm really going to do is figure out why we hadn't started on some of those uh, phase two, uh, three or four projects. Some more projects in uh, in that uh, in District One. We got to figure out where where that money is and if it ha- has it been reallocated somewhere else. We got to get money in the district. We got to keep it in the district. Uh, but they're going to set those 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 agenda items because they're the ones that 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 knows what's going on. But blight and flooding is going to be two of the biggest things that we deal with. And of course, when we talk about poverty, that's going to be an ongoing type of thing sitting with community partners and figuring out how we can address it um but policy wise and resource development blight flooding that's going to take a, a good little time of my administration yeah gotcha that's good to know yeah. august 11th people can vote right now they can early voting started uh on the 20th and it extends into the 31st at the municipal building diamond lakes warren road uh henry brigham until five o'clock every day and you have absentee ballot you can put it in one of those drop boxes at the at the places. Sounds good. So don't wait. Don't no, don't wait. <laughs> Tuesday, August eleventh. George Johnson, District One candidate. So glad to have you on the show, my friend. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate being here. And thank you guys for checking in with us here on Making a Difference. The revolution will not be televised. You see, a lot of times people see 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 battles and skirmishes on TV, and they say, "Aha, the revolution is being televised." Nah, the results of the revolution are being televised. The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. What you see later on is the results of that, but the revolution, that change that takes place will not be televised.